TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to Careers Unplugged, the weekly show connecting you to secrets of career success. Careers Unplugged is hosted by Rich Sayer and Stu Hayes and proudly sponsored by the Master of Me coaching program. If you'd like to be happy, committed, and passionate about your career, you're in the right place. Thank you for joining us, and welcome to Careers Unplugged, a show connecting you to the secrets of career success. My name's Rich Sayer. And I'm Stu Hayes, and it's our great pleasure to introduce you to a legend in the wellness industry. Our guest today is both a qualified naturopath and chiropractor. He is co-founder of The Wellness Guys, Australia's number one ranked health podcast, has created his own range of breakfast cereals, Forage. He's host of the smash hit TV show, Downsize Me. He's a guest on Triple M. Dr. Damien Christoph. thanks for being on the show. Ah, oh, Stu, Rich, thank you very much. It's uh, quite a list of those little things, isn't it? You don't realize those You're a things. Very, very impressive man. How about that? <laughs> All right, Damien. Is that me? <laughs> Who or what, sorry, was your first job? Who was my first job? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, it could be a bit embarrassing, yeah, yeah. that one. I did correct myself. It's what was your first job? My first job was a trolley, a trolley boy at Target, Target as they call it these days. So I used to push trolleys around. Nice. But, uh, you know, that was that were tough days, right? That was when you were allowed to push 50 trolleys through Waverley Gardens at a time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> these days, and you take out walls and break windows, and the people just go, look at that crazy trolley boy. These days, you've got... Uh, Fluoro vest, flashing lights, and uh, you're allowed to take three or four at a time. <laughs> oh, H&S has ruined everything. That's right. <laughs> Got rid of all the fun. So, uh, so after Trolley Boy, I mean, uh, where would you say you started your, your journey into your career as it is now? It's funny, you know, because um, it's hard to actually know where it all began because I think everything actually adds to it. So um, I realized that I wanted to um, have some degree of success when I realized, in fact, uh, it was one of my cousins, Cameron, who taught me how to do this. Uh, we used to work for Maya, and he taught me to uh, buy gift vouchers on my Maya card, <laughs> and then and then we would go back and pay one dollar off our Maya card, and we'd have ninety nine dollars in cash change uh, from our Maya card. So I realised that I, I was a spender uh, very early on, and when my Maya card was maxed out and I owed three thousand dollars, and my study allowance is one hundred and forty seven a fortnight, I, uh, I realised I was in a bit of trouble. So I then went to work full time at Maya, and uh, that was courtesy of Cam teaching me some bad tricks. But I, uh, I, I definitely remember developing a work ethic very, very young, uh, whether it be being a trolley boy or whether it be uh, delivering newspapers and pamphlets. You know, I had one of the largest paper rounds I think anybody in Dandenong ever had. Yep. Uh, and it, it went from Browns Road all the way to Halton Road and Gladstone Road. And if you know that sort of block, that's massive. We're talking like nearly a 10-kilometer square. This is BMX-based uh, BMX or...? Yeah, or was a Blue the Devil, actually. Blue it, was devil. A, it was Blue Devil. It was Blue Devil. So I was going to ask you, you know, so that, that work ethic, or was it the miles um, pedaling around Dandenong, dishing out papers, what do you put your personal success down to? I, th- I actually think it's perseverance, to be honest with you, Stu. I, you know, I, I think there's many times when you could just throw your hands up in the air and walk away because situations get difficult. Um, but you know, when it's windy and raining and you've still got to deliver five and a half thousand pamphlets um, and you've got to punch it out, you just got to do it. And it's seven o'clock and everyone's inside eating fish and chips. You're um, you're out there on a Friday night and you're putting you know 
junk mail into people's letterboxes and and, and hoping that people read it, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and scared if one flies away because you might lose your job. So I was always conscious that I was always you know trying to do my job. I was always trying to do it the best I possibly could, and I wanted to make sure that I always did it perfectly. Like, there were some people who used to dump the pamphlets down the drains. Mm. I never once did that. I never wanted to do it, um, and I always delivered the pamphlets. Always did it on time, and and always made sure that uh, we got you know. You yeah. sound like the U.S. Postal Service, yeah. you know. They, they... So, yes. do you do you measure your success in that way? Is it is it completion? Is that the thing that is a benchmark for you? Actually, Stu, I was reflecting the other day. You know, I, I I've looked. I looked at your questions, you sent me through some questions and I looked at all those sorts of things and it is, it's actually in fact completion that for me um, signals some degree of success. So if I've completed a task, if I've achieved one of my goals, then that is a that is a, a success. I chalk it up. And so many people go, oh, well, you've got lots of things on the go. And I go, yeah, I have. But I don't see that as being successful until I've reached the goal mm-hmm. in that particular thing. Yep. So I mean, I guess that, that would lead into... Um being overwhelmed potentially, you know, when you've got so many things on, do you find that there are times when you feel um, perhaps lost or confused? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You, can, you know, last last night about one o'clock in the morning, I thought to myself, <laughs> you know, I just finished punching in some numbers for some little bookkeeping things I had to get done, just, you know, it's tax time and and uh, I was still doing this stuff and I thought, you know what, this is just, I'm doing so much work and the people that work for me are out there having parties and playtime. And I thought to myself, well, my, my vision, my goals are bigger than the people that are working for an hourly rate. So in my, for me, um, I, I, whilst I was becoming quite overwhelmed with my workload and everything else I had to get on, I just had to think back about my vision and what I'm trying to achieve and who I'm trying to impact um, to keep me back on track. Mm. So, are you the sort of person that's that's always had goals? Are you a list writer? Are you are you someone that that you know, has always got you know the next five things going and you know, trying to tick them all off? Um, Rich, I'd like to say yes. Um, what I but I'm not. But what I do do at the start of every year is write a hundred goals. Yep. Uh, so usually within the first three to five days of the new year, I write 100 goals, things I'd like to achieve within that 12 months. And then I pack it away. I never look at it again um, until I've completed that year. And then I go back and I see what I actually achieved in that time because my process is if you get so over analytical about stuff that you're only focusing on your goals, you miss out on everything else that's going on around you. Mm. Um, I figured if I punch a whole lot of things down, put them onto a piece of paper, at least I've got my consciousness ready uh, and, and I'm aware that these are the things that I actually do want to achieve. And, and somehow, somewhere along the line, you tend to achieve them. So most years, I get about 80% of what I want done, done. Oh, that was the, my next question. So you go back and review it at the end of the year before you write the next lot? I do, absolutely. And some of them I actually carry forward. You know, I'll bring them across and go, well, I really wanted that. I'll, and then some of them I'll dump them. I'll go, that was Everyone knows one. that one. <laughs> yeah, I think that's just a part of the human condition, I think. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I've got action lists of action lists of action lists. Things have got a, a migration from year to year. Yeah. You're an unbelievable list man, though, Stu. Your yeah. organization's incredible. I can, I can promise you he is. So, yeah. question... Um, you know, you've got goals. You're moving towards things, um, and I like I like the way that you do that. Um, it actually resonates with me quite a lot. Um, however, what if you're going in the wrong direction? What if the goals you're setting are taking you the wrong way? You know, is that what's the wake up call? Is that coming from someone else? Do you sort of have a self regulation mechanism? Do you wake up one day in a cold sweat, or have a a gut feeling, or what is it? 
There's a couple of things I think, Stu. That's a great question. There's a couple of things. I think you need to surround yourself with people that can slap you around the head and be uh, humble enough to accept people's advice. I think a lot of people go very bullishly at a goal and don't take into consideration what other people might be saying. But don't listen to everybody. Just listen to the people that are your trusted advisors. And and I've got two people that I would call my trusted advisors. Uh, one is is Brent who's my accountant, and the other one is Stuart, who is uh, a business mentor. And if any, if either of those guys, this is Stu, told me that I was going the wrong direction, I'd go, okay, what, what should I do? Where should I look? But the other thing is that if I notice that there's resistance in the market, so if I'm doing something and there's resistance and I just can't get through, I'm quick enough to realize that I've made a, I've made a mistake. You know, if the market doesn't want it, if the people around me don't want it, mm. it's highly likely I've got it wrong. And you've got to be ready to put on the brakes and then change direction you've got to, I think you've got to be flexible enough to be able to make those changes quickly so that that segues into a question I'd love to ask so look everyone makes mistakes and uh, look personally I make as many as I can <laughs> because it's how we learn but, <laughs> well but uh, when you make a mistake or or you have a real tough decision to make about something and you're not quite sure how do you go about making that that tough decision how do you prioritize Oh, see, Rich, this is the tough thing for me, right? It, it's uh, and I like I enjoy change once it's occurred, but actually creating change sometimes I find that really difficult to actually initiate that change. Mm. Um, my wife's really good at that, and she's she's excellent in uh, giving me a little kick in the butt and saying, "You've just got to do it and just make the decision." You know, once you've done it, then it's easy from then on. And so, she's a constant reminder of uh, of me making you know the tough decisions. And so, generally, I, I tend to find the toughest decisions for me revolve around human resources. Um, You know, the conversations and the personalities that you've got to deal with in business. That's the toughest thing for me. Mm. Most of the other things I find relatively easy. In fact, I can build relationships very, very quickly. But if I've got to get out of a relationship, Mm. I find that very, very tough. Yeah, the compassion side of things too, you know, has has some play in that. And I look at the good in everybody. So if somebody says that they're doing something, even though their behaviors wouldn't uh, wouldn't demonstrate that because they said they're doing something I, I tend to actually believe them and give them the benefit of the doubt but um, you know and that can be to my detriment yeah has that has that burned you in a major way a major way Stu a major way <laughs> a major way um, it, you know it's in my probably in the last five years uh, I I made some business decisions with some people that were um poorly judged and poorly advised ill advised and I was very trusting and I didn't I didn't actually seek or listen to my trusted advisors and as a result I made some very detrimental um, mistakes which cost me you know hundreds of thousands of dollars ouch yeah yeah well yeah they, they hurt the good news is you're here to tell the story and, that's right uh, I didn't die I didn't so, die and it yeah, is a good thing yeah. so you I learned I learned those trusted advisors was there a mentor or a coach that really, you know, helped you or guided you in a major way when you were younger? Well, I actually think, I actually wish I had a mentor or a coach. I think as a, as a young boy, you kind of look for your father figures to do that. And my dad wasn't around as uh, as I was growing up. He wasn't he wasn't there, so I'd never really got a chance to you know have him as a mentor. Uh, my grandfather, you know, he was you know a very compassionate man, a very gentle man, and and still is. He's still around, thank God. And uh, and so I learned a lot of my temperament from my grandfather, I think, and and I and I, I love that. 
from a business point of view, I didn't really have anybody. I used to look to Stuart and wonder what Stuart was doing, and he'd be off over the overseas doing lots of different things, and I always wondered what he was doing. But I don't know if you've ever asked Stuart what he actually does. It's actually often hard to find out what he actually does do. So I've, uh, I, know, I was always left wondering. And what are you uh, saying? <laughs> he's like the international man of mystery, uh, and so we can, I, we can have we can interview me another day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I used to look often look at what Stuart was doing from the outside, and uh, and try to model some things on what he was doing, but often it was difficult. So I then would would find different people that would uh, help guide me in different directions, but often um, as they challenged me, I'd run so because I didn't know how to you know deal with confrontation. So it uh, it took some some big leaps and some big steps and really some drastic growing up and I think that was probably around the time that uh, my fiance fell pregnant to you know to, to me with my son that I realised I had to grow up really fast and I had to make some really big heavy hard decisions and and it was at that time around the age of twenty seven that I, I kind of pulled my socks up and, and looked around for some serious mentors and that was when I started to you know use mentors appropriately. Uh, how did you find them? They're there. They're they're actually there. They're busting to help you. You know, the amazing thing is that a mentor or someone who uh, can lead you in a, in a in the right direction is actually there, and and you've really just got to open your eyes and and they're waiting. And most people actually want to help you out. You've just got to work out what things you need help with. Um, and and I think if you can be quite introspect um, and work out your deficiencies, then you can actually see the strengths in what other people have, and and they can uh, help you and guide you. So change change of subject, you know, the wellness industry is something that um, that I didn't grow up knowing about. It's something that I, I you know, it really seems to have evolved um, and I'm grateful that it has. There's a lot of people out there who want to get into the wellness industry. They're attracted by, you know, by so many things about it. Yep. What's the advice for those people? I think if you're well, – my piece of advice, and this would be a gold nugget I think – I actually don't know if I'm supposed to give my gold nugget yet, but I, but my thing would be that if your heart is about finding dollars in the wellness industry, then you won't make them. You're not going to make. You won't do well uh, chasing dollars in the wellness industry. If you're because wellness is about health, and and everybody deserves to be healthy, and if you can help people be healthy, then you'll do really well. But if if your intention is to make a lot of money in the wellness industry first and foremost, then it's unlikely you're going to do well in the long term unless you, you don't really worry with integrity. Uh, so integrity, number one, um, your your purpose, I think, should be to help people as opposed to make truckloads of money. And then if you're helping people, you will make lots of money. Mm. I mean, integrity, helping people, you know, I, I asked the question uh, um, expanding out of the wellness industry, these are great messages in all industries, mm. aren't they not? I don't don't so, we yeah. think that some of the, uh, perhaps our politicians in different parts of the world would benefit from that as well? <laughs> <laughs> Even in Australia, uh, amazing. Whether, whether you're a, a CEO uh, of a publicly listed company or you are running a small family business or you're a sole trader putting your, your plaque out the front of uh, your door, how you're going about doing things um, and your intention speaks volumes. Mm. And I've had this conversation with with lots of young people um, who say, oh, I just want to make money. And I say, what do you want money for? I want to buy houses. Well, what do you want mm. houses for? So I can make more money. Yeah. And, and it becomes this circular thing around money and, and it really is extremely unfulfilling. It's not happiness, is it? No, no. And yet, yet a lot of young people are really seeing it in two dimensions and um, 
And I think it's great to, to give that advice, as you've just done, about seeking satisfaction and measuring a lot success of, in satisfaction in other areas. For sure. Look, there's a lot of really rich people out there that are measurable. Uh, are people, you know, when I say rich, they're, you know, financially rich. Mm. Um, but they're not financially abundant in some cases, but they're not that happy. You know, it's the life abundant people that I think have uh, money and lifestyle and happiness, you know, where, you know, they can act within, uh, you know, tight, tight um, integrity patterns and, and, and do really, really well and make people feel good about what they're doing. And, and they surround themselves with a lot of great people and people want to be around them. But there's a lot of people out there that have a lot of money that make really bad decisions and actually are repelling. They're, they're not well people. And you look at them, they're sick looking. Mm. Unfortunately true. All right. For those of you listening to Careers Unplugged for the first time, we'd like to ask our guests the scariest and deepest questions at this point in the interview. DK, are you ready? <laughs> All right. All right. The goal is to answer the questions instinctively. So whatever comes out, whatever comes to your mind, don't edit yourself and uh, let it flow, so to speak. So, uh, <laughs> Stu, take it away. Uh, sure. Look, okay. So this is what we call the fast 10, Damien. Okay. Question one. Have you always wanted to be successful in your career? Yes. Yep. Why? Well, I, I just saw a lot of people actually uh, being successful around me. Um, I saw my mum as being very successful as a mother but not successful in her career and she's such an amazing mum and she never did anything for her career but I wanted to be able to show her that it was possible to do that and, and then um, offer her those sorts of things. So I, actually my success I think revolves around almost pleasing my mum. Okay. It's an Oedipus thing. Yeah, yeah, very Freudian. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> okay, Damien. What was your career goal when you were 20 years old? When I was 20, I was going to be the world's uh, probably biggest accountant. Like I was going to be massive. I was going to make heaps of money as an accountant. But I was when as I was in 20. Overweight? <laughs> probably. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I was trying to put on weight, um, but I ate such bad food that I couldn't, uh, which is ironic. But I wanted to make a lot of money as an accountant um, at that time, but I was still stuck in my probably my th- nearly third year of university doing first year accounting. Yeah, right. So I, it wasn't, I wasn't going very far, very fast because my intentions were you know, inappropriate. Yeah, and was that inspired by you know Gordon Gecko or, or that sort of uh, era of greed? <laughs> it was definitely a lot of greed, a lot of greed. You know, my orange Gemini at the time just didn't cut the mustard. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, so you, look, you've, you've scaled some lofty heights. You know, you've um, you've co-hosted an international hit TV show. You're on the radio. You uh, speak in front of thousands of people. Um, right now, are you going from zero to hero or hero to zero? No, I've been from um, zero to hero. I've then gone from hero to zero, and I'm heading back up to hero again. <laughs> so I'm definitely Woo-hoo! on the on the way back up again. So and. And I love it. I love it. I love the journey. I love rising from the ashes. So it's, it's a good feeling. A phoenix. A bit like a phoenix. Yeah. yeah. That's right. <laughs> All right, Damien. What was the darkest moment in your career to date? Or, and you can answer this in two parts, your yeah. biggest mistake? It's the same thing. It's the same thing. My darkest moment was throwing in cash and trust into two blokes I didn't really know 
and, uh, and and that was a very trusting thing. And I think as a health practitioner, uh, many health practitioners just expect the best from people because you know that's what we try to do as health practitioners. When you get into business, um, especially when it comes to money, people don't often have your best interests at heart. And uh, and I didn't go in there doing enough due diligence about the people that I was going to business with. And uh, that's where my biggest mistakes happened. Shed some tears. A lot of tears, a lot of heartache, yep. chest pains, the whole lot. Yeah, um, disrupted digestion, uh, sleepless, sleepless nights. It was uh, it was very scary. It was a very scary time, and that t- that period of time was very very dark uh, to the point that not that I ever felt like I should end everything, but I felt like I was never going to rise out of it. It just felt like I dug myself a massive hole, even though it was like only a couple hundred thousand. What, what have you learned out of that, though? I mean, aside from the physiological responses and the emotional responses, what have you learned from that? Stu, I used to be a very trusting person. I used to trust people implicitly until they proved otherwise. Mm. Um, and that's too late. You know, that's kind of been the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff. Um, these days, I, you know, I work really hard to find out more about somebody else before I trust them. Um, and I, I suppose I'm a little bit more guarded, a bit more cautious about uh, making decisions. Mm. Okay. Change of direction. Okay. Um, describe describe who or what, if necessary, gave you the the break. You know, what was the big break that that really got your career to where it is now? Uh, the big break was the TV show. I think um, when I went over to New Zealand to study to be a chiropractor, uh, and I set up a weight loss practice. You know, I, I had to leave my family back in Australia to move over to New Zealand, and that was a massive sacrifice. But I figured that if I was going to move away from my family, I had to make it big. Like I had to do something that was massive and really important so that when I came back, I made it all worthwhile. Mm -hmm. So I studied my guts out um, and I worked my guts out and I didn't get a whole lot of sleep. You know, generally I was on about, you know, four to five hours sleep a night and I worked, you know, nonstop just to make sure that things, you know, panned out. And so in doing the television show, that enabled me to learn a lot of life lessons about helping people out, how I could communicate more efficiently and effectively, what messages people needed to hear. And and, and that's that really shaped the, the way, you know, my, my future from probably 2003, 2004 onwards. Have you ever reflected on what might have happened if you hadn't had that opportunity? Yeah, well, you know what happened was the opportunity was such that I had this great weight loss program. Everyone who came to CB lost weight. It was terrific. And I still have that weight loss program. I still run it. I love it. But my recept- I had another naturopath that worked for me at the time, and she'd just moved back to Australia. Her name was Rebecca. Yep. And uh, and the receptionist at the practice where I was working answered the phone and said, you know, said her thing and said, oh, I overheard her saying, oh, no, Rebecca's left. She's moved back to Australia. I, I'm sorry, no, she's our naturopath. Uh, our other naturopath uh, is a male. And I flew up the door, you know, up to the reception counter. I said, I can help. I can help because I think they were asking about female health problems or something. And she said, but would you like to speak to him anyway? And so I, I grabbed the phone and we had this conversation. She said, look, do you write eating programs? And I said, yeah, I do all the time. She said, do they work? And I said, yes, Absolutely. And, uh, and she said, well, would you come down and have an interview with us at TV3 and, and, and tell us you know, whether or not you can help us with our TV show? And, and so I did, but I could have nearly lost that whole phone call. Fantastic. There was the, there was the juxtaposition of preparation and opportunity. Correct. That's right. That's Some would right. call it luck, but you know, we like to, at, the career, at Careers Unplugged, we like to call luck exactly the collision between being prepared and seeing the opportunity. Damien, yeah. career highlight. You've done so many things. What is the peak, the shining moment on top of the mountain so far? 
I think the the shiny moment for me, and it continues to get brighter and brighter, is my cereal company. To be honest with you, Rich, I absolutely passionately love it. I adore it. it tastes um, great. It's great. Thanks, babe. Yeah, it <laughs> I love great. it. Good old forage. Yeah. I uh, I love it. Um, for me, it drives me you know very very hard. Um, it challenges me every single day because every single day I feel like I'm batting way above my average in terms of what what we're achieving in the business, and uh, and it's very very exciting. And then when you do a review and you and you see what you've come from to where you are, you go cheapers. That that's inc- I don't know how I got there, but that's incredible. Number one career goal now. Oh, I think succession, I think, is my career goal, actually, Stu. I, you know, I need to look at succession planning and ways in which I can, I, probably, I suppose, streamline the things I'm doing so that I'm not doing as many things mm. um, and then you know, probably do, refine my focus and really get narrowed in on my focus about what I want to achieve. And so it, it's, I suppose, working out which businesses I want to keep and continue to work on and which ones I want to sloth off. <laughs> once, you, once you work out how to do that, bottle it, sell it, and I'll buy some. Yeah, that's it's right. a tough job. It's, it's a, a toughie. Tough. It is. Yeah. It is. Have you ever completely stuffed something up, other than the the story you told us before about committing to the wrong people? Oh yeah, yeah. I think I, look. I regularly stuff things up, um, and and I'm a shocker at human resources. I'm terrible. Like HR, I'm, I'm the worst thing. And every time I have an opportunity to do better, I tend to do it worse. Um, HR is my biggest my biggest challenge, and I, I tend to stuff that one up the most. Um, so that's what I'm actually doing courses on at the moment, reading books on how to do HR better um, so that I can be a better manager in that regard. Yep. Um, yeah, I do stuff up a lot with, with humans, amazingly. All right. And if you could have your time again and you could have anyone's career throughout time, who would you have? Oh. Who's, whose career would you like to have? Wow. Um, you know, I, I actually don't know if I'd want anybody else's career. There's other people's money that I'd really like, um, <laughs> and, and I really would. And I, but I don't know if I'd want to have anybody else's career because yep. nobody else does things the way that I'd like to do it. Yep. Um, and I don't think anybody would have as happy a life as what I do have. Um, I just wouldn't mind some more money. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> you know, who doesn't want more money? Yeah. But, uh, you know, there's people out there that earn a lot of money and they're not happy. If they could have my happiness and I had their money and I kept my happiness, I'd be happy. Yep. All right, DK. Um, now it's time for a little game that we like to call Blankety Pranks. Now, for those of you that, <laughs> that are at home and haven't encountered this before, this is where we start to ask some scary little questions, but we ask them to Damien or to our guests under the guise of an alter ego. So, DK, you've just mentioned that, um, that you'd probably want to keep your own career. Yeah. But we'd like to give you the chance because in this next section, you may not want to um, perhaps have the comments attributed to you. So we're going to give you the chance to play the game as either yourself or Tom Cruise <laughs> or your favorite superhero. Oh, well, that'd be Batman. <laughs> well, which ones are going to be? So is it, is it Damien Christoph playing the game? Is it Tom Cruise playing the game? Or is it Batman? Oh, let's go Batman. Yeah, let's go choice. Batman. Yeah. Let's go Batman. All, All right, Rich, why don't you lead it in and explain to Damien what we need him to All do right, right now? Well, the, the, it's really simple, Damien. The, there's, some, there's some famous quotes by famous people, and uh, it, it's blankety pranks. You're going to have to complete the quote as Batman. So Hillary Clinton says, don't confuse having a blank with having a life. 
what would Batman <laughs> say? <laughs> I'm Batman. <laughs> no, Don't confuse having a blank with having a life. Yeah. Um, a dream. Good answer. Good answer. Good answer. Hillary Clinton actually said, "Don't confuse having a career with having Ooh. a life." But dream is pretty good. Mm-hmm. I love that. Let's let's take one from Tim Ferriss, right? So, well, he's a good guy. Tim Ferriss said, "Think big, and don't listen to people who tell you it can't be done. Life's too short to blank." What would Batman say, Damien? <laughs> <laughs> he'd say uh, he'd say something like, "Don't fail." So, you know, he would say, life's too, life's too short to fail. That's what he'd say. Well, that's not bad, actually. I like, I like, this, I like yeah. this Batman character. Batman's pretty cool. Yeah. So Tim Ferriss said, life's too short to think small. Oh, yeah. That's true. Go, Tim. He's always on the mark. I he like is on the mark, on yeah. The money. yeah. And, and, and he wants to get it done quickly, four hours or less. Four hours, that's right. Yeah. That's right. All right, Batman. <laughs> Confucius says, choose a job you love. And you'll never have to blank a day in your life. Big. Yes. <laughs> Batman would say big. Yeah, big. big, big uh, Confucius big. was work, was never have to work a day in your life. Right. But I like the never begging bit. That's, uh, that's definitely the way to go. Mm. Well, Damien, thank you so much. It's about uh, all the time we've got for this episode. And thank you for coming on the show and sharing some wonderful insights into your career. It's, it's been a real pleasure. Rich and Stu, thanks so much. I've enjoyed it. Look, I'd like to reiterate what, um, what Rich just said, Damien. Uh, when we have a guest that comes on the show that can share openly and honestly, um, you know, you talked about your family, you talked about your mum, your childhood. Uh, you know, it really gives um, both us here and also everyone that we're listening, that's listening back home or wherever they are um, the reality or the, or the message that they can do things too, you know, because this is a real person. He's been successful. He is successful. But I can do that. You know, I, I've, I've got a parent. I've got a, a wife or a, or a child. Yeah. In any case, to all of you that are at home, you're in your, in your car or wherever you are, thanks for joining us. This has been Careers Unplugged with Rich and Stu. We look forward to seeing you next week. See you later. Careers Unplugged, proudly sponsored by the Master of Me coaching program, helping you succeed in life, career and business. This has been a production of TheWellnessCouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on Facebook.com forward slash TheWellnessCouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.